0: church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon.
1: A group of people, like-minded, who are committed to the word, committed to the will of God. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Isaiah and chapter 9, if you would join me there. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 9, this is a scripture that was written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. And in it we get a promise. It's a familiar scripture for the Christmas season. And for the last uh, two weeks previous to this service, we have been looking at the titles of the promised uh, Messiah who was to come. And we looked at Jesus as he, is, as he receives these titles in Isaiah chapter 9. We looked at that he was the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And today we want to look at a curious title that he receives in our scripture. His title as Everlasting Father, which is very interesting. So I, there's this uh, famous story that comes out of the nation of Spain. It's about a father and a son who had become estranged. The son ran away from home, and the father went off to find him. He searched for months, but was unable to find his son, whom he loved so much. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in the newspaper in the city of Madrid, the nation's largest city. This is what the ad said. Dear Paco, meet me in front of this new in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven, I love you, your father. Very simple ad. On Saturday at noon at the time specified in the ad, can you imagine 800 Pacos showed up seeking forgiveness and love from a father. There is inside of all of us a longing and a desperate need to be loved by a father, a good father. In this world that we live in, and especially in a Western culture that is rejecting family values, this is why so many in our generation have become so sick And broken because we live in a generation where fathers are either not good or not there. And we can all feel the need, can't we, for the love and the care of a good father. And this is why this title that Jesus receives in our scripture is so meaningful. He is the eternal Son of God, but also He shows us fatherly care. And so I want to read this scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, a messianic prophecy that tells us who the coming Messiah would be and how He would act toward us. This chapter, Isaiah 9, of course, the context is speaking into a time when When uh, when God's people, God's nation of Israel has been attacked and has been invaded by the Assyrians. They're under attack and under duress. And so this prophecy is given as a way to bring comfort in a time of difficulty. And so this is the word that we get, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is born is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father and Prince of Peace we're gonna zero in on that title of everlasting father the answer to the problems of the world today is still Jesus Christ how many still believe that the child that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago. And today, we're going to realize that He is more than we think He is. He is also an everlasting Father. Let's pray, Father. Let's pray uh, for this service. God, we thank You for the opportunity to gather in Your house. We're praying for Your Spirit, God, to, to lead us and to guide us. Lord, we're praying that You would fill us with, uh, with the anticipation of knowing You, As father, as savior, as our king. And we thank you for all that you've done. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood. And we thank you that you also provide for us fatherly care. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Amen. A child is born everlasting father. We live in a world that is deeply and desperately in need of a father. If you've ever been to the grocery store and seen a mother with small children (laughs) struggling to keep them in line, you know what I'm talking about, right? The world is in need of a father. Can I remind you this morning that missing fathers have a devastating effect on children and on society? If we consider all of those who commit suicide... Could you take a guess how many of them grew up in fatherless homes? 63% of suicides under the age of 18 come from fatherless homes. Runaways. 90% of homeless runaway youths come from fatherless homes. Children that exhibit behavioral disorders, 85 of them, 85% Come from fatherless homes. High school dropouts. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Juveniles in state-operated institutions or juvies. 70% from fatherless homes. Adolescent patients suffering with substance abuse. 75%. From fatherless homes, rapists motivated by displaced anger, seventy-five percent fatherless homes. And so I'm giving you those statistics to help you understand that this problem of fatherlessness is not—it's not just about uh, inconvenience. It is creating a, uh, it's leaving in its wake a generation that is broken in so many ways. It's not to say that God cannot help a single mom in, a, in, a, in that situation. Of course he can. And I want to, uh, to but I just want to remind you that this, this problem of fatherlessness is a problem that has a deep and profound effect on children, and especially on young boys. It seems that young girls are better equipped at coping with these things, but especially young boys have a difficult time when dad's not around or when dad is abusive. Now, we can go through statistics in society, and I could could spend several uh, hours with you explaining why fatherlessness is such a, a stain on the mark of Western society. But what I want to do this morning is help you realize that if fatherlessness in the natural is so destructive, isn't it also true that we have a need spiritually for a father? We have not just a natural need, but also a spiritual need for a father. And that is why it is so interesting and so powerful that the child God is introducing us to. Remember, this scripture is prophecy. It's the prophet Isaiah speaking on behalf of God, and God is making a prediction about the Messiah, the Son that will be born, the Child which is going to bring peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The Child that is going to bring an end, ultimately, to all wars. And how are we supposed to understand who He is? Part of that description is that He is an everlasting Father. This is true spiritually We are in need of a father. You are in need of a good father, spiritually. And so we have this interesting paradox that the scripture begins with the description of a child, but there's no such thing as a child who is a father, is there? It's an interesting paradox, biblically speaking. I want to... Take a moment to address uh, the truth of the Trinity at the same time, because every non-Trinitarian so-called believer uh, has used this verse to support their incorrect views. And so when the Bible is, uh, is saying that Jesus, the, the promised Messiah, will also be the Father... We are not saying, and I don't believe the Bible is saying, that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are all Jesus. Right? We still believe in the Trinity, in three separate and distinct personalities, and yet one God. We have one God that we serve expresses himself in three personalities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that this scripture is speaking against that. I, what I do believe today is that God the Father is giving us a description of God the Son who also exhibits fatherlike traits, Christ as a father figure. In fact, we can get a few more clues about this if we flip back to the previous chapter in Isaiah, you would join me there if you flip back to the, to the earlier chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 8, where we get some context for what is actually being said here. And so remember that this is a nation under duress, it's a nation under difficulty. And it's interesting that in Isaiah 8 verse 17, remember again, this is God speaking, And if you look at verse 17, listen to what God says. He says, I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Here I am in the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. And so we have here, Uh, two distinct personalities within the Trinity that God the Father is waiting on the Lord. They're speaking of Jesus, who hides his face. It's very interesting, isn't it? That You have this uh, interaction and this communication between the distinct personalities within the Trinity. Now, having said that, I also want to support this morning Jesus Christ as the eternal father, the everlasting father, that Jesus, he came to the earth and he had some, uh, uh, some interesting disagreements with the Pharisees. Right. And part of what he spoke about, the Pharisees began to criticize Jesus because, uh, because Jesus began to tell them, you know, uh, when, when I saw Abraham and immediately their little ears went up. Abraham but you're not even 50 year old 50 years old Jesus how did you know Abraham and Jesus says before Abraham was I am and he uses that eternal title that God gave to Moses he uses that eternal and perfect description that only God can use right he says I am before Abraham was, I am. And when you guys are all gone, I am. He is not dependent. And Jesus confirms for us that He is the beginning and the end. And then, just like in Revelation, it says He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that there is no limit to the power of Jesus Christ, the Son. We ought to remember. Jesus, though He is a subservient to the Father, He is committed to His purpose and plan, but that should not tell us in any way that Jesus is limited. Listen to what Jesus, it says about Jesus in Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Another translation of that verse in him, all things live and move and have their being. That means without Christ, there is no anything else. <laughs> he is God and he is God almighty. Revelation one verse eight. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end who is and was and is to come. The almighty. Can I tell you that it pleases the Father, to put greater glory on the Son. Every father knows what this is like. It pleases you when your Son is exalted. It feels good for you when your Son takes the spotlight. And that is exactly what's happening here. God the Father puts His Son as centerpiece of all creation. But there's more here to just the theological implications of this truth i believe that we ought to also embrace christ so there are many many titles that we can understand about christ we know that he is our savior right he went to the cross and shed his blood so that he could save us from our sins we know that he also desires to be our lord the one who commands us and gives us our marching orders, right? The officer of our, uh, of our lives. We also understand that he is a friend. Jesus at the Last Supper spoke to his disciples and he said, You guys, you're, you're my friends. Not just my servants, you're my friends. In the book of Romans, we get another revelation that not only are we called friends, but in Christ we are called brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters of Christ with one Heavenly Father. But it's more than that, that we are heirs. We have an inheritance together with Christ. That whatever Christ receives as inheritance, He shares with you and I. I don't understand that. I don't deserve that. But that's what the Bible says. We are co-heirs with Christ. And so we can embrace Him as... Savior, as Lord, as our elder brother in the faith, as a friend. But what are scriptures showing us that Christ can also be a father figure to us? Think about how Jesus acted while he was on the earth. We know, of course, that he never, uh, he, he, he never uh, had uh, his own children or a wife on the earth. But we also know that he exhibited on the earth fatherly tendencies. Think about this. How often do we see Jesus nurturing sick people back to health the way that a good father would? How often do we see Jesus praying for the sick people, praying for people in desperate situations? How often do we see Jesus pulling people aside and giving them wise counsel, giving them words of life that they would carry with them for the rest of their lives how often was did he show us that he was strong and dependable the way that a father should be how often do we see that jesus he loved having the the children approach him the disciple says no 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 all the disciples they say get these kids away from jesus that he doesn't have time for little people like that jesus said bring the children to me he loved to, uh, to put his hands and pray for them, and he loved to have the little children. You know why? Because little children are full of faith. That's why in many ways I'd rather be in the children's church preaching to them this morning. Because when you say something to children, they believe you. They trust you. That's why Jesus said, bring the little children to me. And he said to his disciples, you also better be like these little children. like a good father. A father doesn't reject children, but a father brings children to himself. We see Jesus who puts his trust in people, broken people, people who had problems, and yet he trusted them. He gave them purpose and meaning in their lives. He believed in these men and women on the earth. Study the life of Jesus, and you'll find someone who believed in people, that they could do something greater with their life. He said to Simon, he said, you're not Simon. No longer will you be called, in the Greek, his name meant a little pebble stone. But you will be called Peter, Petros, which means a large foundation stone. He used this little play on words to indicate that, that when Simon came to Jesus, his life wasn't very meaningful but that through the ministry of Christ that God would make him into a foundational stone that our church and every church for 2000 years that he has been a foundation stone that the church rested on Jesus put his trust in Peter the same Peter who denied him 3 times right like a good father that even through failures even through difficulty even when he puts his foot in his mouth Jesus still trusted him to lead the church. Isn't that interesting? The way a good father would do. When we look at Jesus, we see a great and classic lesson on fatherhood. Like good fathers, Jesus taught us how to be firm, but also loving. Jesus, he he was able to treat people with grace but also with truth he was able to speak the truth into people's lives but also in love so often fathers tend to fall off the horse on one way or the other either having nothing but truth which means i'm just speaking the truth but i'm being a jerk about it or you fall off the other side being filled with love but having no truth in other words Uh, You can live however you want to live. I'll just accept you however you are. That's not what Jesus did either. But what Jesus did is he approached people with truth and in love. Think of the account of the woman at the well. The woman that we know that she was involved in a lifestyle that was not pleasing to God, right? She had had five husbands and the one she was with was not her own. And Jesus was not afraid, not shy. He was not holding back about the truth of her life. He says, yes, I understand. The one you're with is not your own. Ooh, ouch, that hurts a little bit, right? And yet he was able to minister to her because when he spoke those words, he wasn't being a jerk. He wasn't beating her down with the truth. He spoke to her in love. He spoke to her with a heart toward redemption. And that's what a good father does. He doesn't whip his children just for the the sake of being mean and, and, and harsh. But he also doesn't ignore the truth. We see again and again in the life of Jesus, we see Him with fatherly tendencies. How often did we see Jesus who watched over his people, wanting to redeem them. And almost in a motherly way, he looks over at Jerusalem and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem as a mother hen wants to gather her chicks under her wings. So I wanted to gather you. And here's Jesus, the second in the Trinity, subservient, of course, to the will of the Father, but we see him acting as a father. What about his future? What does a good father do about the future of their children? So I found this, uh, this interesting um, web service. There's so many amazing tools online now. It's, it's, it's a great thing. So I found that there's this website where you can put in the names and the ages of your children, and it will calculate for you, based on their age, uh, how much you're going to need uh, to help them go to college one day. Well, so I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the number and say, if you give, if you put in so much, and you know, there's these these tools that allow money to grow tax-free and various things, and so I, you know, I put five bucks in there for each girl, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know if they're going to be able to go to college <laughs> on a on a preacher's wages, you know. But it's amazing that when I saw that tool, it was like something in me automatically wanted to take everything that was in my bank account and put it in there. And that's because as a father, I want my children to have a good future. Don't you see that Jesus came interested and invested in our futures? In John 14, 1, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He was thinking about the future of his followers. And so when we approach Christ, yes, we approach Him as our Savior, as our Lord, as our friend, as our brother, as an elder in the faith, as the firstborn of all those who are going to receive resurrection. We approach Him as a co-equal heir, but we can also approach Him the way we would approach a good father. That's good news today. The Bible says about Jesus at uh, this title is that he is everlasting father. It's interesting that he spoke again and again. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen what? The father. He said, when you look at my life, when you look at the way I act, I am a perfect representation of who the father is. And so my message this morning is for those who have complicated father relationships. We have a good father in Jesus Christ. Josh McDowell, famous Christian author, he wrote a book called The Dad Difference. And he wrote about some statistics in that book. He said the average teen in most churches spends only two minutes per day in meaningful dialogue with his dad. 25% 25% of those teens say that they have never had a meaningful conversation with their father. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? That's, that's kids who are in churches. I don't want that to be the case in my house. I have two girls. I want them to have meaningful conversations with me. But can I also remind you that if Jesus is titled Everlasting Father, do you know what that means? We can approach him. He is not on a perch far away. He is not sitting on a cloud looking down with a pair of binoculars saying, I hope they get through this. Jesus, as everlasting Father, the, I think the most meaningful way to understand that is that he is here to speak to us and help us. He is here now. The Spirit of God is with us at every time, at every available moment. He is here to help us. And when we understand Jesus as everlasting Father, I want to tell you, that will give you hope for the future. Jesus, the everlasting one. Long before, it says he was slain from the foundations of the earth. He understood who He was and what He was going to accomplish. And as He did that, He gave us a revelation of who He was, an everlasting Father. Let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes as we are amazed by this truth. Jesus, the everlasting Father. Before we close the service today, maybe you found yourself here. And you know that you're not right with God. There are two kinds of people in this world there are those who know God as the Father, and there are those who do not know God as the Father. The Bible says that our default setting as we enter into this world is that we are children of enmity. We are children of wrath. In other words, that our sins are so, uh, are so wicked that God is angry. And that's true. God is angry about sin. Our lies and our lust and those things that separate us from Him. But the good news is in Christ Jesus, the one who was promised 700 years before He was born, That Isaiah promised there is one coming who is going to be the answer to every woe that this world has. The answer is not just economic prosperity. The answer is not just medical innovation. The answer to the problems of the world is a child. The child that you see around town in these little manger scenes. He is depicted in this way to remind us that the answer to your problems is still there in that manger. The answer to your sin problem, the answer to the wrath of God is there, that baby who was born. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He shall be called Mighty God. And so personally, and so tenderly, He will also be known as an everlasting Father. That you can have Jesus, a Savior. And you can treat Him the way that you would a good Father. And He will treat you the same way a good Father does. This morning, if that's you, if you need that forgiveness, if you need that cleansing, that purification from your sin, it's here for you. Jesus, who shed His blood, made it possible for us to be cleansed cleansed and purified and if that's you today i want to ask you to to signify with an uplifted hand you're not right with god but you want to be your sin is destroying you but you want to repent and turn from it this morning so that christ can save you by his precious blood is that you quickly this morning you'd slip up your hand so i can see it unsaved or backslidden in your heart you want to know god as the father you want to know christ as your savior This is the time. Would you lift up your hand so I can see it? Is there someone here? Quickly, quickly today. As God speaks to us. Let me speak to the church. We're going to open an altar for prayer in just a moment. And one of the most difficult pains to deal with in the long run is the pain of a father who was missing or who was abusive. The pain of a father who didn't who was not a good father. And the tendency that we have is to take the way that we feel about our earthly fathers and to paint that onto the God of heaven, onto Jesus. And so that means if you were distant from your father that most likely you feel distant from God. It means if you felt angry at your father that most likely you're feeling angry at God. If you had a wonderful relationship with your father, then you have a special gift because God, many times, He will feel a good relationship from your heart. But that's not the case for everyone and many, many people in this generation. But I want to remind you that the Scripture tells us that from the moment He was born, He had this title assigned to Him, Everlasting Father. A father who is careful. Tender, who speaks in love, who watches over, who thinks about the future, who cares and who raises and who trains, who speaks life, who believes in. And we can know Christ, the Savior, as everlasting Father. Maybe you're here today and you've got a struggle in your heart with your relationship with God. Or maybe God is speaking to you, maybe God is touching your heart today, and we want to pray together at this altar. I want to know Christ and I want to know him more. And if the the Lord is speaking to you, we want to open up this altar for prayer. Can we stand together for just a few moments? And we're going to open up the altar for prayer. God's speaking to you. God's helping you. God's ministering to you. Would you come to the
0: altar today? We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, Would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.